on Gordon's, Jordan's bank, the Baptists cry. This year in 2016, we are somewhat unusual in celebrating the summer solstice today, the 20th of June. And so I am faced with giving you the depressing news that from now on, the days will be drawing in, becoming shorter. And traditionally, this has had great biblical significance, not least to St. Augustine. The early Christian scholars settled that Jesus was conceived by Mary on March the 25th, the spring equinox, or what we also know as Lady Day, an important quarter day. This, of course, leads directly to December the 25th, being conveniently set as the date for celebrating Christ's nativity, coinciding with the winter solstice and another established quarter day and holiday. At the time of Jesus' conception, St. Luke tells us that Mary's cousin Elizabeth was in the sixth month of her conception. So John's birth was set at the 24th of June, close to the summer solstice, and yes, another important quarter day, St. John's Day, a day on which we still elect our sheriffs in the city of London in Guildhall. And as we read in the Gospel of John, chapter three, verse 28 says, I am not the Messiah, says John the Baptist. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. The friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly at the bridegroom's voice. For this reason, my joy has been fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. And so, as we celebrate St. John the Baptist's birth this week, the daylight will be decreasing. And when we celebrate Christ's birth in December, note that the daylight will once again be increasing. St. Augustine thus found perfection here in the divinity of Christ. He, Christ, must increase, but I, John, must decrease. As John states, I baptize only with water, but Christ is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I am human, but he is greater than I. And John the Baptist is the forerunner, a necessary witness. His role as a messenger is in strict accordance with the prophecy of the Old Testament. Specifically Isaiah, a voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And again in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, see, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me. In the first century, prophecies and their fulfillment mattered, not least to the writers of the Gospels. In Matthew 10, John's disciples, his own personal band of followers, were requested by John to bring the question to Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or are we to wait for another? John's disciples depart, reassured that they have got the right man, 
albeit he is not the conqueror type they had expected. Jesus then reciprocates, clearing away all doubt for the crowds about the role of John the Baptist. This is the one about whom it is written. This is the messenger who will prepare the way before the Lord. I was recently struck earlier this month when the Queen visited St. Paul's Cathedral here in the city for her 90th birthday celebration. The way from Buckingham Palace had been prepared. The people lining the route were in a great anticipation and excitement. She was expected, and her arrival, of course, was heralded. John the Baptist was a herald, a prophet whose arrival was foretold in Isaiah and Malachi, and crucially was in accordance with scripture. But we must not forget that the witness of John the Baptist started with the circumstances of his birth, indeed with his conception. As in the parallel case with Jesus, there are miraculous and mysterious events surrounding his conception to a woman well above childbearing years. In the case of Elizabeth, note this is not portrayed as a virgin birth, but it was clearly an unexpected pregnancy announced by the angel Gabriel to Zachariah, who on expressing doubt is accordingly struck dumb. When Mary and her pregnant cousin eventually get to meet, the baby in Elizabeth's womb is said to leap for joy in the presence of the Messiah's mother. There is one big kick of recognition. When the couple name the baby John following the birth, Zechariah begins, regains the speech he had lost. The name chosen for the baby and communicated by the angel is no accident. It means God is gracious. Indeed, God was gracious in offering Elizabeth and Zechariah that most precious and elusive commodity, hope, just as John was later to announce the hope that would come with Jesus Christ. So in summary, like that of Jesus to his mother Mary, the birth of John was no normal nativity. The birth heralded a new life that is also destined to become the fulcrum of our Christian faith. John was the last prophet of the Old Testament and the first prophet of the new. His role was to open ears and eyes to all possibility, to make the way ready for Christ. In our gospel reading from Matthew today in verse 11, it clearly confirms that after me will come one who is more powerful than I. And as John started his ministry in the wilderness, he was also to become a leader he had his own very substantial band of disciples and followers, which he opened to the existence of the kingdom of God and a coming judgment. He invited the people to baptism with water as a sign of their repentance and the forgiveness of sins. Choosing to live with great humility in the wilderness rather than in the comfortable lodgings of other church leaders, John distanced himself from the accepted practices of those others teaching in the law and the scriptures. Not for him, soft clothes and soft living. In placing himself outside of the synagogues, not wearing the garments of the Pharisees, not eating what they were eating, he did not become contaminated like others by the status quo. In detaching himself firmly from the things of the world, John found he could be closer to expressing the word of God. 
And a bit like Gandhi or Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Don, John did not just preach a message, he was the message. He was charismatic and authentic. He could disturb the comfortable and comfort the disturbed. And we read in Mark 1, and people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were baptized by him in the River Jordan. From scripture, the Jordan had an image of restoration and redemption. He was gaining a very wide reputation and large following, many recognizing him to be a prophet, many thinking he might be Elijah himself returned, as again prophesied in Malachi. John was not so much offering the people a new idea, but calling on them to a change of heart, an inner change. God's dominion to take root must invade the human heart. John the Baptist was telling the religious leaders in his day that their theology was wrong. This was the preparation needed. That famous line some of us may recall from the musical Godspell, pre e e prayer, ye the way of the Lord, the straightening of the road, ready for the arrival of Christ Jesus. And whilst he certainly gained a following, John did not seek attention placed on himself. He only wished to fulfill his prime role in directing his followers onto Jesus. In similar words to Matthew, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. We read of Jesus coming from Nazareth and being recognized and baptized by John in the River Jordan. And shortly after, we learn of the arrest of John the Baptist by Herod. John had publicly and courageously rebuked Herod for entering into a marriage with his sister-in-law, what we might call today speaking truth unto power. John's subsequent death is dramatic, a mini passion play in itself, but also a timely warning to Jesus' disciples about the possible cost of vocation, of being a witness to the truth. And we, always, we don't always like to think of the sacrifices we might need to make today in working for justice for all as Christians and in offering our own lives in service. And today, with Parliament recalled, we might too reflect here on the tragedy of Jo Cox MP, who died last Thursday, having given her life over to the service of others. John the Baptist paid the ultimate price of being a witness to truth, as would most of the disciples in due course. The truth on which we can take our stand is Jesus risen from the dead, gladly willing to bear the cost if we are likewise called to be witnesses. Witness has no room for complacency or self-indulgence. Like John the Baptist, prophet, martyr, and saint, our task is to bear witness to what we have found in Jesus Christ, a truth worth living out to the final consequence. Amen.